Nancy. My name is Gracie. And I'm Abby. And happy full moon tomorrow. Woohoo! This is why we're going to be talking about 1981's The Howling. Now, this movie was directed by Joe Dante, who had only directed one and a half movies at this point. <laughs> I love that. And yes. was written by John Sales and Terrence H. <laughs> Winkless. The movie stars D. Wallace, Christopher Stone, Belinda Belaski, Robert Picardo, and Patrick McNee. Wow. Lots of people. There's more <laughs> people coming later on we'll talk about, too. This movie was... In production for a while, Joe Dante wasn't even considered the first director. He was set to direct a movie called Jaws 3, People, None. Just let that sink in for a minute. Jaws 3, People, None, God. Uh, But was asked to hop on board this production instead uh, because for whatever reason, Jack Conrad, the original director for The Howling, uh, was let go. Uh, So in case you're wondering... In case you're worried <laughs> jaws three people none was never made <laughs> which is unfortunate because it sounds like it would be a great time you know i wonder sometimes i'm like what would the world be like if jaws three people none existed it sounds like it's literally only jaws like the life and times of jaws the shark with like the humans are extinct at this point or something yeah, yeah. <gasps> okay or maybe he ate them all i don't know maybe anyway <laughs> The Howling is based on a the first book in a series by Gary Brandner, but the script was never uh, it didn't ever come out right when they were writing it, so they just scrapped the whole like story from the book, and they created a whole new story. So even though it says it's based on the Howling, it's like nothing like <laughs> the book. So you know if you want to read the book, you won't be spoiled by the movie, which is kind of right, cool. Yeah. Uh, the film was released April tenth, nineteen eighty one, and became a moderate success grossing 17.9 million at the box office uh, and it received generally positive reviews mostly because uh, people praised the makeup and special effects by Rob Bottin and of course we'll talk about him later Mm -hmm. the film won a Saturn award and a best horror film award while it was still in development so it hadn't even been released yet and already was winning all these really cool awards that's awesome yeah it is awesome that was a fun fact It also came out uh, during the time that two other very popular werewolf movies arrived that same year, uh, An American Werewolf in London and Wolfen. In 1981, (laughs) Roger Ebert Mm -hmm. called it one of the silliest movies he had seen in a long time. Now the film is a huge cult classic known for having one of, if not the best, werewolf transformation scene. Mm-hmm. So with that, Paul said, <laughs> Abby, please tell us the plot. Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot of detail to fit in here, so bear with me. Basically, the movie focuses on Karen. She's our main character, mm-hmm. and she is a news anchor woman. So she's been kind of roped in by the police to help them catch this serial killer named Eddie Quist because he it's he's known as the Mangler. And um, yeah, so he pretty much mutilates all of his victims. So they set up a meeting between Karen and Eddie uh, in this. It's a porno shop. And it's a real porno shop because they didn't have enough money to make a set porno shop. Right, yeah. So that makes it like even seedier and gross. But this 
porno shop shows like <laughs> actual pornos in their theater. So, so, okay, can I just say that this porno <laughs> is sort of like torture rape? Like yeah, it's, it's not like a snuff. It's film. not like like a real porno. It's like this is not good. Like this is um, like well, criminal. So fun fact about that movie. I don't know if you saw like in your research. I did. But, yeah. Um, Joe Dante actually made that because, in his garage <laughs> because they had to be like really careful, which is so weird because they had to be careful, quote unquote, about what they showed in the movie. But, but this but, makes it for me. This makes it worse. I'm yeah. like when I found out it was like a legit made for the film. I was like. So what's the problem here? Like, you made it worse. Yeah, right. Well, a disclaimer, he said that he didn't like it. Like, Well, okay. So yeah, that's he, great. He yeah. still made it. Right, I know. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Um. Okay, so Karen meets Eddie in this theater, and he's being all creepy and, like, comes up behind her and, like, puts his hands on her I'm shoulders. Rock and, your body. Uh, or no, whatever he no, says. No, he's like, I think he says... I'm going to light your body up, Karen. Yes. And she's like crying. Yeah. But so I was also crying because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> uh, so Karen's like, oh, gross. Ew. So she turns around and looks at him and she's so petrified that she's sent into basically like a state of amnesia. Yeah. So the police come and they shoot Eddie and kill him and stuff like that. And everybody's asking Karen, like, what did you see? What did you see? And she's like, oh, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. So next we cut to her, and she has to be put in therapy with this man named Dr. Wagner because um, she tries to go back on TV and stuff Dr. like that. Dr. George and, Wagner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so she finds that she can't really work anymore so her therapist sends her to this place called the colony and it's like this little secluded camp area yeah and everybody is staying up there in cabins and when we are introduced to the colony i i was like i feel like i am at like Bonnaroo, like a Bonnaroo festival yeah it's like all these like hippy dippy people and like just weird weird people like here at this colony yeah like marcia who is a werewolf because she freaking looks like one even when she's not a werewolf right she wears like bones on her on her necklace she reminds "Mm." me of Cher in the gypsies tramps and thieves video she does she looks just like her i'm like like, "Mm, werewolf alert um so speaking of marcia she's one of the first people that we're introduced to who is part of the colony you know like Karen is like, oh, my God, who are these people? Bill, please get me out of here. Bill is her husband. husband, Yeah. Yeah, So he ends up coming to the colony with her. So they're trying to have like a nice couple's retreat and stuff like that. And Marsha basically tries to seduce Bill. And one night she like tries kissing him and is being all like super duper seductive. And Bill's like, "Ah, no, get off me. So as Bill is walking back to his cabin that night that Marsha tries to seduce him, he is attacked by a werewolf, but he doesn't know what it is. He, like, can't really see. He can't tell what he's being attacked by. Yeah, he can't tell if it's man or beast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So after the night he's attacked, Bill is lured back into the woods by Marsha, and Mm -hmm. they have sex. And we see them, like, partially transform under the moonlight. So after 
Bill is attacked, Karen calls her good friend and co-worker, Terry, who works with her at the news station. Okay. And, you know, she tells her that Bill was attacked by a werewolf. And Terry comes to the colony pretty much at once to be there for Karen because they seem like they're pretty like they're good like girlfriends and stuff like that besides being co-workers so before she actually came to the colony terry and her boyfriend chris who also works at the television studio went to eddie's apartment to look for more evidence and stuff like that because they want to do like a half hour tv special on eddie and yeah his murders and stuff like that right yeah and she finds sketches of karen and the colony And she links Eddie and the colony together. And she's like, holy crap. So Terry actually goes exploring for more evidence when she's up there at the colony. And she stumbles across this cabin in the woods. And she's attacked by a werewolf. But she manages to escape. And she runs to the office of Dr. Wagner. Mm -hmm. Because he is also up there at the colony with all of his patients that he sends up there. And Eddie is hiding in the office waiting for her. It's so scary. It's so creepy too. And he like cause... smacks her. He's like, ba bam. Yeah. She like flies like, to the ground. Oh man! And it's just like, Psh, just because like... he's massive. He, he is. She's like an ant to this werewolf. Yeah. He just like crushes her. Oh my god. It's it's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> well, I know. Yeah. Oh well. Um. <laughs> so Eddie actually, well Terry, before all of this happens, before she finds Eddie in the office, she calls Chris, her boyfriend, and basically gives him the rundown of what's happening up here. She's at the able colony. to explain, like, this is not good, like everything's yeah. bad. Like, yeah. And as she's being attacked, she's still on the phone with Chris, so Chris can hear everything happening. So yeah. Chris like books it up to the colony. He just like gathers a bunch of stuff. But by the time he gets up there, he's too late because Eddie actually kills Terry. So Karen in the meantime, finds out that Bill had an affair and slept with Marsha. So she storms off and she goes to find Terry so that they can go back home. Well, and he hits her, too, before she storms off. He, like, smacks her. And she's like, everything terrible happens to Karen. I feel so bad for her. She has done. Yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst for her. It is the worst. So she Um, tries to go find Terry. So, yeah. So, like, her husband like punches her in the face and then she goes and finds terry and terry is dead and then karen runs out of the office right into the arms of members of the colony and the colony or well the these people take her to this barn located like deep in the woods yeah and the rest of the werewolves are waiting there. Yeah. So it turns out that the the entire colony is all like this big group of werewolves. Yep. As that's also happening, Chris arrives um, and he stumbles across Eddie. Oh, which I forgot to mention. Backtrack for a second. Karen. Before sees- Karen runs out of the office, she sees Eddie. Yeah. There. So she gets, she encounters Eddie again. Oh. And then she gets to actually see his transformation. Yes. Which we'll talk about. Which is but like it's pretty one epic. of the most exciting parts of the whole entire movie. Yeah. Um, so Chris also runs into Eddie on his way to rescue Karen. Yeah. Um, and his face is all deformed because as Karen was escaping from Eddie, she tossed acid on his face. Yeah. So he's like all gross and. He looks like a zombie and he gives Chris the rundown and basically tells him, you know, I killed Terry. Um, You're going to find out what we all are. Yeah. So Chris shoots Eddie, I think, at this point. 
and gets away or does he's able to i forget what happens. well he has he got silver bullets yes so okay. he kills eddie that's why and then he finds karen at the barn with all of the other werewolves mm-hmm. and they have this crazy escape mm-hmm. and they get into this car right yeah i think it was the sheriff's car because yeah they somebody to the sheriff and he is also a werewolf yeah. so they're like oh crap so there's no there's no way out of this. so there is just one thing after another they try to set the barn on fire with all of the werewolves inside mm-hmm. so but some get out right and get into the back of the car mm-hmm. and, and karen gets bitten by one and it turns out that it's actually bill her, her husband, husband. Oh. so Cut to Karen and Chris back in society, mm-hmm. and uh, Karen decides to transform into a werewolf on live television. So as she transforms, she is basically saying this really sad story about this secret society that lives among humans and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and after she transforms, Chris is waiting with a shotgun. With the silver bullets. Yeah. And he kills Karen. So everyone has seen this werewolf transformation, mm-hmm. and you think that the story is over until you see Marsha sitting at the bar. Bonnaroo lady. Yeah, where a bunch of people just witnessed the whole werewolf transformation. So it turns out that Marsha escaped from the barn, from the fire, and she orders a rare burger. Dun, 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 dun. Credits. If you haven't seen the film, that is exactly how it ends. Someone is making a burger and it's sizzling with weird 80s romantic like music, music in the background. And it's so gross. It's like a close up of this nasty pink burger on the grill i hate it every time oh my god when i first saw this film that was probably like the thing that got me because i'm a vegetarian so when i saw that i was like that's the worst part of it all yeah (laughs) this burger (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh that was great thank you abby oh of course anytime so let's discuss this um this movie the howling it does pass the bechdel test yay um it happens when donna who's one of the werewolves and Karen are talking about the different types of therapy mm-hmm. that Donna has received and how, you know, the colony's type of therapy has been the best for her. Uh, so the title, the title is uh, like that slashing, like shink. And mm-hmm. then it says, woo, the howling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was used in the trailer. And because there was zero money for this film, <laughs> Joe Dante was like, let's use this a lot in the film <laughs> yeah. for our cuts and for the title. Because we're going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's something that we've learned is that this film has done a lot of recycling. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the two main actors, Dee Wallace and Christopher Stone. How did you think they did? I loved them. I think they had great chemistry. They really did. Yeah. And this is probably why, right? They mm. were engaged in real life. <gasps> yep. Scandal. I know. Actually, it kind of was a scandal yeah. because Dee auditioned for the part and then got the part. Mm-hmm. And then she, they were going to be doing filming and they were like, oh, we can't find someone to play your husband. Again, this movie was so, there was so no money that no one wanted to be in it. And she said, oh, I know someone. Uh, what's his name? Uh, hmm. 
oh, Christopher Stone, Christopher Stone. And they were like, okay. And of course, she was making all that up. It was her fiance. <laughs> yeah. So she got her fiance work, which was nice. And they got to work on this film together. Yeah. Um, which maybe, you know. Maybe not so nice for certain scenes. Yes. Abby is referring to the <laughs> nude scene that Chris Stone has with Elizabeth Brooks, who plays Marsha. Mm-hmm. Dee Wallace actually went out drinking that night because she didn't want to be around. And <laughs> Poor lady. Kind of don't blame her I know. at all. She actually didn't really want to be in a movie with a lot of nudity in general and yeah. not just like from her or from whatever just in general from anybody well she said even like going in the porn shop was hard yeah she's like ah it just was not my style she like <laughs> her her face of disgust in the film is her real yeah, face that's for of, real that's not acting yeah so you kind of learned a little bit about her when she was older and how when chris stone died she became like a yeah, what did I, she become? I d- okay, so I don't know like the w- the exact word for it, but basically she's kind of like a spiritual healer. Yeah. So she has a website called imdwallace.com or something like that. Nice. You can find it if you google it. It's very like bright and cloudy in the background Aww. and she talks about like the light from inside and stuff like that. It's really cute. I'm like, oh, D. Wallace. So it was like her calling, right? After he died, she almost like, you know, this was her way of like uh, helping other people maybe yeah. who have gone through loss or something. So yeah. uh, that's sort of romantic. It is really romantic. So cute. It is. Now back to the nudity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Dee uh, had in her contract that she would not be in a movie with any additional nudity apart from the scene (laughs) that is in the film. Right. However, they tried to break that contract without her knowing uh, ahead of time. So she goes into the barn, right? And there's a ton of women who are topless. She said there were like 10 women. She's like, I walked in and there were 10 women with their boobs hanging out. (laughs) And she was like, what the heck is this? And she refused to film the rest of the scene. Joe was like, come on, come on. The producers want more nudity. And she's like, no, Mm -mm. no. And so when I heard that she was like that, I thought, yeah, girl, like (laughs) you stand up for yourself. No nudity. Like, (laughs) and maybe I'm like a total party pooper when I say that. But no, no. Well, even the producer was like, yeah, she's right. This sucks. Put some clothes on. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. They got a producer down there and he was like, yeah, you should listen to D. So, which I think like having random topless women would, I mean, you know, some people might love that idea, but I feel like it would have just been so tasteless and it wouldn't have really added anything to the film. So it's like, and she knew that maybe this is just what I think, but I feel like she understood that you don't need to have that stuff. Like people will want, will be scared. People will be scared and people will like it. Yeah. Uh, So I, I really respect her. I think she's super cool. So um, another thing that was in Dee's contract was that she didn't want to be seen as a werewolf. However, uh, she was willing for the story to let that slide if the werewolf was not ugly or really scary. Now, this is where I'm like, okay, girl, come on, be scary. Right. So they're like, okay. So they they made a, a cute werewolf and it looks like, what did you say it looks like? It looks like a shih tzu. Yeah. 
Pomeranian. Something mm. dumb. Dumb dog. Like a <laughs> like a yip yip like Yeah, it does. I, <laughs> I would never do this to a dog disclaimer, but I call them punters because oh they're God. a size <laughs> of a football. It does. It looks it looks really bad. And actually D Wallace even mentioned that she was like, Okay, when I said cute, I didn't mean like this. It doesn't even look like a werewolf. You're right. It does. It looks like a little dog yeah, face. Yeah, I think she meant like, I don't want it to be snarling and bloody and gross. Like, well, and it was also like one of the, I think it was the last thing that they shot for the movie. So it was. It had to be like super close up because they shot it in Joe Dante's office. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> I don't know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, so I think everyone was kind of like, oh, what? Come it on. had such a good buildup, too. In the middle of transforming, like, she looks really scary. She, she looks does. really creepy. And it's sad. She's like crying and she just. Oh. And screaming, oh. yeah. yeah. Uh, the cast featured a number of recognizable character actors besides uh, Dee Wallace and Christopher Stone. There was Kevin McCarthy, who was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original, and the Twilight Zone movie. John Carradine, who I, I love a lot, uh, he was in House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula. And Kenneth Toby, who was in the original The Thing movie, which is called The Thing from Another World. And he was also in It Came from Beneath the Sea. Slim Pickens was, I have to say it like that, Slim Pickens was also in it. And he was in Dr. Strangelove and Blazing Saddles. Um, he's known for wearing like cowboy hats in his films, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, so he must have... He's he was the, the sheriff. sheriff. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, my personal favorite, and I know you really like him too, Dick Miller. Oh my God, he's so awesome. He's so funny. He is funny. Uh, he was in A Bucket of Blood and the original Little Shop of Horrors. He plays the guy that goes into the shop and just and wants to buy flowers because he likes to eat them. It's so weird, but it's so great. Um, Dick Miller said that this was his favorite role and he has like over a a hundred films behind him yeah he loved this role he played the bookshop owner the occult bookshop owner Mm -hmm. and he helped provide the silver bullets he explained why werewolves can change anytime they want yeah they're shapeshifters they're not controlled by the moon Mm -hmm. so he was sort of like the the guy that kind of explained like why they weren't doing the classic werewolf tropes basically yeah yep. which the reason why they had him do that was because it was such a low budget film they couldn't yep. afford to show those special effects so they were just like well we'll just have this guy say this and uh that's how it's gonna be and it worked out yeah it yeah, did. yeah yeah a number of other people appeared in the film who were actors roger corman makes a cameo as the man standing outside the phone booth. And in the audio commentary of The Howling, Joe Dante said that he based that scene off of the Rosemary's Baby scene where producer William Castle is standing outside the phone booth while Rosemary's on the phone trying to get a hold of her uh, doctor. Nice. John Sales, who was the writer for the film, he plays the morgue attendant. Joe Dante said that he likes keeping the writers around when he makes the films, uh, so he just puts them in the film. Yeah. (laughs) Forrest J. Ackerman appears in a brief cameo in the occult bookstore with Dick Miller, and he is seen clutching a copy of his famous magazine, Famous Monsters of Filmland, which whenever he makes an appearance in a film, he's always either holding it or reading it, so that's kind of a really really fun cameo. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so this was something that you learned that most of the characters in this film are named after werewolf directors, yeah. like werewolf film directors. Yeah, like you mentioned, um, George Wagner. Yeah, the doctor. He is um, the director for, is it 1941? Yep. Yeah, he directed The Wolfman. Which so. is so great. Yeah. yeah. That's the only one we'll mention now because there's so many. Yeah. But oh, my that's God. That's probably the most recognizable one. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other uh, werewolf-themed, like, Easter eggs in the film oh, as yeah. well. Uh, you mentioned Howl. Oh, yeah. There's uh, the scene where Terry calls Chris. Yeah. While he's watching the Three Little Pigs cartoon. Yes. With the Disney one. And um, <laughs> camera, like, shows him like talking on the phone and there's a book right next to the phone called and it's howl like yes the, um oh my god why can't i remember the author's name right now is it uh alan ginsburg yes yeah. alan ginsburg yep yep and it's just the camera shows it for like two seconds and you're like okay that was on purpose wait like two seconds too long yeah like you're like yep. got it yeah I'm howling oh, howl good, good one it. good one joe dante and actually joe dante said in the commentary he's like that was the most tasteless joke <laughs> in the film like he was so like upset with it he's like that was such a stupid joke. He's like, look, these little three little pigs of the Big Bad Wolf, that's a better joke. <laughs> it's so funny. Focus on that. Focus on that. Um, they also show the original Wolfman movie throughout yeah. the film. Yeah, yep. And at the end of the credits, mm-hmm. they have that famous line from it, like, go now and heaven help you. Yeah. Uh, so, <gasps> you know, I know, it kind of gave me chills, yeah. too. Like, I can feel the goosebumps on my face. Uh, oh, dear. Um, so that was, uh, that's some of the fun kind of easter eggs that are in it yeah um because i think they they knew that this was something that had been done before like Mm -hmm. werewolf movies were kind of uh scarce and this was a new thing in the 80s like when uh american werewolf in london and wolfen and of course the howling came out that same year yeah um it was like a a revival like it's alive kind of thing like they were coming back okay so i have to tell you my mom this is the only movie that she's like terrified of like really yeah she saw the exorcist and stuff like that like with her cousins and everything but she went and saw this um i don't remember if she was in high school she must have been in high school when she saw it and she was always like oh my god the howling blah blah she would always talk about it and i was like for the longest time i was like what is so scary about this movie and i watched it and i was like I could see why people like back in the day thought that this was scary. Well, and I think first of all, it was, uh, we're going to talk about, um, uh, Rob Bottin in a minute, but Mm -hmm. I think the effects are phenomenal for early eighties, like Mm -hmm. freaking phenomenal. Um, so it's very realistic looking. Yeah. And I think it is in part because that they, no one has seen a werewolf movie in like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So a whole generation basically missed werewolf films. Yeah. And uh, so this was like, and the Halloween, I believe, came out before the other two werewolf movies. Yeah, it did. So this was like the introduction because, I mean, I haven't seen Wolfen, but um, American Werewolf in London follows a lot of the same kind of tropes mm-hmm. that the Wolfman and any other uh, wolf wolf horror movies like in the earlier times. Um, but the Howling completely changes. We don't have the yeah. full moon. Um, we don't have 
we have the stranger in a strange land type thing, mm-hmm. but I mean, this is the first time that we have like a colony of werewolves yeah. together and the idea of them going to therapy. Now you mentioned that this must be like, uh, like what does this say about the times too? And I think that that helps too, that this yeah. is something that's brought into the modern day, that this is something that still can exist, mm-hmm. that it's not going to die out. Right. So yeah. yeah, I think that that's like a big deal. Okay. So let's, Let's talk about um, the special effects. Uh, tell us a little bit about Rob Bottin. Yeah, so Rob Bottin was super young when he worked on this movie. He was only 21. God, he was like, he could drink. Yeah. Like, just barely. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, oh my gosh, if you ever see him, though, he lo- he seriously looks like a 30-year-old man. Like, he looks like he might be a werewolf, too, because he's got oh, so much oh hair. He's got, like, a big bushy beard and, like, nice. the feathered, like, 70s hair and, nice. like, unbuttons his shirt so you can see all of his chest hair yeah it's it's nice it's nice but that being said Rob Bottin was such an innovator when it came to special effects and things like that like he was working on such a tiny budget that he they actually for we were talking about how gross this sounds but like the bladders that they air bladders yeah for the special effects like to give us that like pulsing yeah so in the film um the werewolf he his skin is pulsating yeah and um, it's supposed to look like the bones are like coming out and like his face is shifting and stuff like that yeah and they use something what's called air bladders which is like little pockets that can like like blow up with air and then decrease then blow up with air and then decrease really fast and abby what did they make them out of those are made out of condoms so he had like condoms stuck to his cheeks and <laughs> like <laughs> under the prosthetic makeup and he was like oh, i mean i know that like they're not breakable or anything but condoms really <laughs> it was like crying listening to this guy do this interview oh my god it was so funny the guy who plays Eddie in the movie was like, oh. uh, yeah, uh, Picardo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So he also, Rob Bottin also did the effects for the thing. Yes. And now that I know who it is, like you can definitely tell. Oh yeah. He definitely has a style. Yeah. And this is what's really cool is that he actually was not even supposed to be the main uh, special effects guy on the howling. He was mm-hmm. actually an apprentice to Rick Baker. Right. And Rick Baker is pretty well known. He's done a lot of big movies. And one of the movies that Rick Baker's known for is murp, 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 <laughs> an American werewolf in London. Yeah. He actually had to leave the set of the howling and just say to his apprentice, like, dude, you got this. Bye. Yep. And he left to work on the howling or to, uh, work on American werewolf in London. And Rob Bottin was left with the howling. He's like, okay. And he did a great job. <laughs> he did. He um, really stepped up. He really did. But you, And you can see where he's learned from Rick Baker, mm-hmm. but you can also see his own sort of twist is brought yeah. to it. Yeah. And yeah, so he did the howling and uh, John Carpenter discovered him after that, had him work on the fog. And then he did the thing which yeah. he was known for. Well, he really was ingenious because that, transformation scene there's no cutaways and there's no like time well there's there's a time lapse but it's um it's lapse dissolve yes there we go so everything was it was like the very very early stages of animatronics really so so 
just phenomenal. So where did the design for the werewolves come from originally? Um, They said that they got a lot of their ideas from woodcut pictures from the Renaissance, actually. And you can definitely tell because in a lot of those pictures, they have like the long, like mangy looking ears and like and their the, the hands. hands. Yeah. Long legs and arms. And- yeah. It's so cool. It is cool. And also I want to talk about too, like if you listen to that transformation scene but don't watch it happening, it is extremely grotesque. Like Mm. the sounds of – it's supposed to be like bones cracking and stuff. Oh, man. It reminded me of when I broke my collarbone. Like. Yeah, so they did a really good job with it. Um, You were mentioning to me earlier about the stop motion. Yeah, so um, Joe Dante, actually, I feel so bad for not remembering his name because he's so talented, but he hired an artist to kind of give him a boost up with the werewolf scenes because they were on such a low budget that they wanted, like, full view of the werewolves. David Allen. David Allen. Okay, yeah. Who was the the stop motion artist. He actually created an entire scene of the werewolves in the barn, but it didn't look like any of the other werewolf shots. So Joe Dante was like, "Uh, I can't really use this. And they ended up um, just cutting it completely. But there is a scene, it's like a transition scene Mm -hmm. of three wolves standing under the moonlight. And you you can tell that it's stop motion, but that was actually created by Mr. Allen, this artist. Yeah. So Bob Burns, you were telling me about too. Yes. I was, I didn't know this until recently, but Bob Burns was um, one of the prop designers for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which came out a few years before this. Mm-hmm. And he designed the props in the cabin where Terry goes um, like looking for more stuff about Eddie. At the colony. Yeah. And you can totally tell because it's all like bones and like jaw bones hanging and. Um, From the ceiling and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It just has that like really eerie. And I can totally see a Texas chainsaw in there. Like It looks like an animal den, not a human den. Right. And that's yeah. what Texas Chainsaw was too. Like the house was like a place where animals lived and yes. ate and not where humans lived and ate. So yeah. that's really cool. I know. That's a really fun fact. Yeah. Um, Abby and I found this great article called Embodied Identity in Werewolf Films in the 1980s. And it's by Julius uh Coetzer and Charles Forcheville or Forcheville. Oh, am I awful? Whatever. Um, Anyway, (laughs) sorry, guys. It's a great article. Uh, But they talked about how, uh, you know, this movie really focuses on the the idea that mind is body. Mm -hmm. So that if you are somebody who is, you know, somebody like Eddie, or mm-hmm. Marsha, who are very animalistic, like they are driven by their sex, they're driven by food and, and you know, very like animalistic instincts as humans. Right. And that shows how they are as werewolves. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, even if you're bitten by a werewolf, you're always a werewolf right. kind of thing. Like you were like that even before that. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that thought? Like, do you think that's pretty accurate? Do you think that really explains the whole lore of werewolves? Yeah, definitely. Because I I think um, maybe even without meaning to, all of these characters that are werewolves are, like you said, they they display those traits before they even 
you know, come to be. And you can you can even see it with like Lon Chaney um, in The Wolfman. Yeah. He, his character is very like wolf like like he goes after the girl and he doesn't take no for an answer like he's hunting for something yeah absolutely. so for him to transform into a wolf is like the ultimate like kind of i told you so kind of thing i guess so. you could say that karen is almost like that because she is on the hunt for the story right and yeah. she will go and she goes out to find eddie because she wants to she wants the story mm-hmm. so that's almost like her deal too like she's on the hunt it's not as animalistic right as the other um as the other traits but um i think we can kind of connect those two yeah and absolutely. of course um you know we consider monsters in modern horror to be metaphors for uh, certain threats Mm -hmm. I think that um, kind of destroy our everyday life yeah and the people who act this way right who are driven sexually and raping and stealing husbands and killing people just for the pleasure of killing you know like Mm -hmm. serial killers I can think of like Dahmer and Ted Bundy like all these people who who uh, were literally monsters. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of the metaphor for that is, yeah. and I think in the early eighties is when people really started getting into true crime. Yeah. 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 You know? So I think that's sort of like, uh, and I, that might be why your mom was really scared. Cause it yeah. really like showed like what it was like during that time. Because the media was taking so much control of stuff like that. And information was starting to be a little bit easily accessible or more easily accessible I should say actually interestingly enough there was a case in the 80s when someone um took this group of college students hostage Mm. and they actually broadcast it on live tv and that was like one of the first like big live stories that happened in the 80s stuff like that going on that was like in people's faces all the time and it just kind of got worse from there so you know we can actually end this episode on the media uh, because that's how the movie ends basically Mm -hmm. right uh you mentioned how uh the media sort of desensitizes us to what's happening in real life because we're separated uh because of our tv yeah so what what are your thoughts on that so at the end when Karen transforms into a werewolf on live television all these people are watching it and they're like they kind of are joking about it like they don't think it's real right like it's this it's right there in front of their face like very very not I guess tangible proof but it's there and they're watching it happen but they are so they're just like no I don't believe this I don't believe what's happening yeah and the little kids are like mommy look the, yeah. she's changed to a werewolf they're like that's great and you like know. there's guys in the bar who are like oh the special effects they have now these days and so they don't believe it yeah. and I think that that comes from being bombarded with all of that information all the time that you're just like oh yeah like what else is new you know yeah we're like none of that affects us anymore which is frightening right sort of you know yeah yeah wow thank you so much abby that was really awesome yeah of course Uh, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of good morning nancy it's almost valentine's day so we'll be talking about one of our favorite heart day horror movies next it's full of romance and murder (laughs) the perfect date night movie yeah see you later bye